uh, JDC about a year ago. Uh, what you may not know is, uh, you know, Luis and Mike are from Colombia. Luis is a, a pastor there of uh, the Presbyterian Church in Colombia, uh, and he planted two churches there. Uh, but through you know, some complications uh, with COVID and some of its effects, uh, he stepped down from those roles and they moved to the United States for a couple of years for some rest and recuperation and, and stability. Um, Luis has been helping out here, leading our Spanish small group, uh, which has been a great blessing. Uh, and now he's going to preach for us. It's not his first time preaching in English, but close to that, I think. And... Uh, if his accent sounds a little strange, it's because he spent the week listening to my recording of him uh, preach of his words uh, a sermon. I recorded the sermon for him uh, that he wrote, and uh, then he listened to that to help get the pronunciation. So uh, anything off is my fault. <laughs> but uh, we're glad to have him here. One other note is uh, um, they've had a heart to want to return to Colombia because of the great need for churches there. Uh, solid churches, and by God's grace, they were able to get some tickets uh, to be leaving in just over a month, which is uh, far too soon for me, um, but Lord willing, uh, we will continue our relationship and, and see each other again uh, in various ways. So why don't you come up and preach for us, brother? Good morning, church. I would like to say two things before I start. Is be patient with my language skills. You know, this is not my first language. And the second thing is, is in the middle of the sermon, something goes wrong. You have to remind this. It is not my idea. It was Pastor John's idea. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the sermon in Spanish, word by word, and he helped me to put it in English, and I'm going to read it. I think it's the best way to do it a little bit good. <laughs> Let's pray. Padre Rey, nosotros inclinamos nuestros corazones delante de ti y te adoramos. Tú eres bueno y para siempre son tus misericordias. Y oramos que tu gracia y tu Espíritu Santo por medio de tu palabra, Señor, nos pastoré en esta mañana. En el nombre de Jesús. Amen. The text for us today is in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And the title for my sermons is A Prophet Without Honor. A Prophet Without Honor. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. As was his custom, he stood stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. On rolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim God news, good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of every, everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this just son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted, is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and that and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet, Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Sarepta in the region of Sidon. And there were many Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet, no one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the siren. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, dropped him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on, on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. When we are told that Jesus suffered many trials and brokenness, we often think of Gethsemane on the cross and in the tomb. It is true that these are the key moments of his suffering and that his meaning for us is important. However, the Bible is clear. Jesus' trials, sufferings, and humiliation did not begin in Gethsemane. The Lord Jesus Christ is given several titles related to, related to this. Isaiah called him the man of sorrows, the one who is experienced in grief. He is identified as, so, as someone people hide their face from. Someone they don't want to look at. Theologians often call his life in the earth the state of humiliation. A humiliation that did not begin with the betrayal of Judas, but with the incarnation itself, like Paul said, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but, but taking the very nature of a servant. 
being made human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the dead, even dead on a cross. From the manger born, from the manger born into greater poverty that we can imagine it, to the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. During our series, series in the book of Luke, we have already seen some of these situations. Lucas is telling us the story of the greatest king ever known, and yet he has been clear in showing us that this king did not come in fancy clothes, nor in a majestic carriage, but in humility. He is a suffering servant. In the context of our passage, The Temptation, we see him descending from the mountain victorious after 40 days of fasting and in the power of the Spirit. And in a normal J.R.R. Tolkien story, once you defeat your enemy, the evil king or the greatest power of darkness, all that follows are songs of victory and and celebrations. But what happened in our passage is different to our contemporary mind. He comes down the mountain victorious, anointed as the greatest prophet man has ever seen. One who has the most beautiful words men have, have ever heard and is, is accompanied by the most extraordinary sins, signs, sorry, not sins, signs, <laughs> and yet is rejected by his own people. Satan and the demons may recognize, the demons may recognize his identity and his power but his own brothers despise him. He is known in the heavens and despises, despises on the earth. Of all the trials and humiliation he had to endure, this is a singular one, the proof of contempt, rejection, and dishonor of his own Nazareth people. Content is painful when the one despises it does not deserve it. All of us have a propensity to despise, reject, and turn away from things that hurt us. A son is terrified of an abusive father, abusive father, but nobody a loving father. A wife walk away from a man who purposely made her suffer, but not from who, for one who loved her with all his strength. We have been created to reject this thing that hurt us. But the case here is completely opposite. Since the one, since the one who is rejected is the supreme godness, divine mercy, the person of God made flesh. What kind of darkness that is take to stand in front of God and want to kill him? God in Jesus 
visited Nazareth, and Nazareth wanted to kill him. It was not the pagans in Nazareth, nor the corrupt of Nazareth, nor the socially lost in Nazareth who reject the lips of the divine prophet, but the religious people, the ecclesiastical structure on their days, the people of the Bible, men who, spoke, who used to spoke of God every week in their synagogues, and when God finally came to see them, they want to kill him. They studied the prophets and apparently waited on the prophecies. But when the prophets, when the prophet of the prophets came, the mouth of God in person, they despised him. Thus, brothers, we conclude that the test of Jesus did not end in rejecting Satan's offer and descending from the mountain. Luke says something about it. In verse 13, he said, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. We don't know how much time passed between his descendant from the mountain and his little life in Nazareth, but we can be sure as we will see later, that the tempter left him alone for a brief time. Because here in Nazareth, in the middle of the synagogue, in a full worship on the Sabbath, Satan was present. Satan's presence resulted in an attempt to murder of the prophet of, the prophet of God. We will break down this brief sermon into three simple points. One, the prophet sent. Two, the dishonor of the prophet. Three, the God judgment. One, the prophet sent. The text says in verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue. As was his custom, he stopped a read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim God news, good news to the poor, and has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus descended from the mountain of the temptation, filled with the power of the Spirit, he was in a different region from he were from where he ministered. Luke described this in the context of our passage. And I think that his, his intention is to contrast the growing glory in other regions with what happened in Nazareth, in the town where he grew up. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Nazareth, a city in Lower Galilee, where Mary of Joseph, human parent of Jesus, lived, 
Luke 1.26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, was sent by God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. The inhabitants of Nazareth had established a rather poor image regarding their morality and their religiosity, as reflected in Nathanael's question. Can there be anything good from Nazareth? John 1.46, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Felipe said to him, Come and see. There, in the small and humble region where Jesus has been raised, he returned to speak in the synagogue on the Sabbath. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he's, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. There is a triple reference in the, cost, in the context of our, passage, of our passage regarding this. Look for one. It says, Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. Verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And the third mention is in our passage. And I think this triple, triple reference is nothing more than an affirmation that he is the special anointing of God. Jesus is God's servant, empowered by the Spirit. Isaiah 42, 2. To set in motion a process to reverse the effects of sin, poverty, spiritual blindness, and spiritual oppression. When Jesus said in the middle of the synagogue, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled before you. He's saying, I'm the anointed one promised in the Old Testament. I am the servant who, whom Isaiah spoke who will bring healing and hope to the nation. I am one in whom the distant shores await, await, and I am here on the Sabbath in the middle of Nazareth, in the town where God chose me to grow up. Today is in your midst, midst the one who brings freedom and healing to imprisoned hearts. The one feel the spirit that brings liberation where, where he hands rests the prophet who speaks the final words of God. During the time of the Old Testament, Moses was the peak of the prophet. The scripture says about Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10, and never again arouse a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Despite the fact that other prophets came after Moses, in the midst of the people of generation, Moses appears as the one who managed to speak with God face to face. And Deuteronomy says also, no one like him in all the signs and wonders that Jehovah set him to do in the land of Egypt. The signs were the confirmation that the word of Moses was divine 
and the demonstration that the power of God confirmation, the power of God was with him. The day had come. The day had come when Jesus said, Today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled before you. He was confirming it. Jesus is not a prophet like Moses only. He is greater than Moses. Since Moses is a servant in the house, a servant in the house, and Jesus is a master of the house, Moses, Moses, Moses spoke with God face to face. Jesus is the face of God made flesh. Oh, Nazareth, Nazareth, who has come to you? Who has come to your synagogue? Nazareth, Nazareth. Not only did the angel grab Gabriel, the messenger of God, visit you, as Luke tells us. Not only did the Spirit of God visit you, favoring the womb of one of your poor, poor virgins, but also the prophet of God, or rather, God made a prophet in the flesh, has come to see you. It has, it has come to heal you, cure you, set you free, and restore you. Second, the dishonor of the prophet. However, we are not always aware of the visits that we receive. You can imagine this scenario in which your doorbell rings, your doorbell rings, and you look out the window to see who is, because you were not expecting a visitor. You look out your bedroom window and see 10 blacks armored trucks line up outside, outside your house, along with a dozen heavily armed reporters with TV cameras, trucks, and a plenty of microphones. Surprised and thinking that that should be a mistake, go down to the door and open it. Surprise. It is the President of the United States of America and his wife, who has come to have a breakfast with you, with your family, and spend time with your, in your house. Even without being able to believe it, and with a love of nervous, you see how the President and the First Lady offer your hand to greet you, and you leave them with their hands outstretched and tell them, what are these hours to come? I'm still sleepy, and I'm too busy to receive you, to receive you, and immediately close the door abruptly. Can you imagine the headline on the next day, and the news of the next day? The president is rejected by a citizen. They close the door in the face of the president and his wife. The first lady cries with shame. <laughs> Although our illustration is a scandalous story, it's just a figment of the imagination. 
But we have in our passage, but what we have in our passage is not an imaginary report, but an historical account. And in truth, it's much worse. Verse 22 says, And all bore good witness to him, and were astonished of the gracious word which proceed out of his mouth, and say, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Surely you will tell me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. And so many things that we have heard that you have been done in Capernaum, though also here in your land. And he added, Verily I say unto you, that no prophet is accepted in his own land. At first glance, the dishonor of which Jesus speaks is not noticeable, because a quick reading will give the impression that they are amazed at what is happening. But Matthew's testimony will help us understand a little bit more. Matthew 13, 54 say, And when he came to his land, he taught them in their synagogue in such a way that they marveled and said, Where does this man have this window, this wisdom, and these miracles? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called, called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? When, whence then had this man all these things? And they took offense at him. Their unbelief was a hard ground into which the seed of the grace did not penetrate. The familiarity they had with their humble origins prevented them for accepting the majesty of the prophet. That he could know the son of the carpenter about miracles and sins, that the brother of James, Joseph, Simon of Judas could know about wisdom, and they were scandalized by him. The gracious word that fell from his lips collided with the wall of their prejudices. He could not only hear that they were saying, but he could hear the rejection of their hearts. The apostle, the apostle John says, well, he came to his own. And his own did not receive him. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed in our announcement? And to who has the arm of the Lord been manifested? It will go up which are renewed before him. And like a roof of a dry land, there is not appearance in him, nor beauty we will see him, but without attractiveness for us to desire him. Despised and discouraged amongst men, a man of pain, experienced in brokenness. 
And since we did his face from him, we was despised and we don't know stand him. When we read this text or what happened in Nazareth, we see, we tend to think that since he was filled by the Holy Spirit, these slides did not hurt him, did not hurt him. We imagine an emotional, emotional, an emotionless Jesus in a spiritual state beyond, beyond suffering. But it is not true. The expression that he anticipated, they will say to him, Doctor, heal yourself. It's a good summary of what happened. They did not understand that his own humble origin was to identify with them. His closeness to his brokenness was to heal them. And his wounds, his wounds would be a sin of his a sign of his love. Imagine a doctor who, after having healed thousands, gets sick from taking their disease, and, is, and instead of care of him, they say to him, you, you who heal others, heal yourself. A, dishonor, a dishonorable prophet in his own land. Third, the God's judgment. And truly, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine through all, all the land. But not of them was Elijah sent, but to a widow woman in Sarepta of Sidon. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them was cleansed, except Naaman the Syrian. The privilege that Israel enjoyed by being in covenant with God were not always something that they understood. God was clear in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. For you are holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his people. Of all the peoples that are on the surface of the earth, the Lord did not place his love on you, nor did choose you because you were more no because you were more numerous than any other people. For you were the smallest of all peoples, but because the Lord the Lord loved them and kept the oath which he swore to their fathers. The Lord brought them out with a strong hand and redeemed them from the house of bondage. This closeness, mercy, adoption, and grace came with responsibilities that Israel was not always willing to attend to. In fact, 
In fact, they did not always welcome the prophets that God sent her to his voice, with her, with his voice. In fact, they did not always welcome the prophet that God sent them with his voice. Israel continues rejection of the prophets and the sign that they did was that provoked the judgment many times. There is a pretty strong text in the book of Matthew where God accused his people of rejecting him over and over again. Matthew 23, 34. Therefore, behold, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify, and others you will flog in your synagogues, and you will persecute from city to city, so that all just the blood has been shed on the earth may come upon you from the blood of Abel the just to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, who you, whom you killed between the temple and the altar. Truly I tell you, all this will come upon this generation, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You killed the prophets and stoned those who are sent to you. How many times I have wanted to bring your children together like a hen gathered her cheeks under her wings and you didn't want to. Quickly, those who had once been foreigners and perts and poors forgot it and became proud. Those who have been pilgrims, lepers, and sick people forgot it and became arrogant. Israel forgot that being special came from the adoption that God, that God had provided for them and not from themselves. The rejection of the prophet is expressed in this passage as a personal rejection of God. Thus, the rejected will go to the rejected. Jesus quote two examples that they understood very well. A widowed woman in Sarah of Sidon and a leper in Syria. Both are pagan peoples. Both stories in the context of the son prophets, Elijah and Elisha, rejected by the kings. They understood, they understood what he meant. Who could Jesus say that the pagans, filthy and poor of Sidon, are better than us? Don't, don't you know that we are God's chosen and special nation? How could Jesus say that the pagans, lepers from Syria, are better than us? Don't you understand that we are a chosen nation? Upon hearing these things, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger, with anger. And getting up, they threw him out of the city and took him, took him to the top of the mountain on which their city was built to throw it up to 
choking off this, the cliff. But he passed it through their midst and left. Wow. Wow. One is surprised at the answer. They were even less sorrows than, sorrows than Satan. Satan tried to kill him with tricks, but they want to kill him directly. Satan, with subtle means, asked for miracles, but they demanded miracles for him. It is evident that the confrontation against Satan had not had not end. Lucas says, Luke says that he left him for a while, but apparently it was a short time. The dishonored prophet would go to the dishonor. Just Elijah went to Sidon and Elisha healed a Syrian leper. Final considerations. It's easy to us read this text and say, oh, how weak, how weak are these men? It's easy for us to forget who we identify with in this passage. So many years after the cross and having seen so many generations of Christians, it's easy to forget, forget and fill us with pride and indifference. But brothers and sisters, we are the pagans, the uncircumcised, the foreigners, the woman who has not the wife. We are those who were without God and without a pact, a covenant. Those who have no lineage, the filthy, the poor, to whom he came, the impressioned, the sick, who needed healing. We are the impious widow of Sarekta, who reached mercy. We are the leper general from Syria, who has healed by Elisha. We feel specials in our countries due due to our condition and, and history. And we forget that we were nothing and that we have been adopted through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. The dishonored prophet has come to the dishonors and clothed us with his honor. The honor that we have now is because the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is an oracle of God and our prophet is guiding us through his word. And he is a prophet and as a prophet he is the one who freed us and healed us from our sins. He is God's anointed. Even though we don't always understand his will. And sometimes in our minds we want to throw his will down the hill. Because we don't like it. He must always know what is, 
what we must always know that his will is and his way of taking care of, uh, of us is always better than ours. He is the anointed one who came to heal us. Brothers and sisters, when you are put down by others, remember that Jesus can understand you. Rejections hearts, hurt us and creates wounds that are difficult to heal, especially when it comes from those we love and expect love from. Christ was rejected by those close to him. He can understand your struggle. However, he is the one we can always run to with the, cert the certainty that we will never be rejected. He suffered the, reje the rejection of God in the cross. The forgetfulness of his father so that you would be accepted. So that the acceptance of God the Father through Christ can help you bear the rejection of any other person. Let me say this again. The acceptance of God the Father through Christ can help you bear the rejection of any other person. Sometimes being obedient to the Lord put us in situation where the acceptance of the others is taken from us. But we have to move on the serve the Lord's. We have to move to serve the Lord's because as the elder Sean told me the past Sunday, we have only one life to serve the Lord. In approximately, approximately 30 days, I have to return to my country, to the place where I was born, to the place where God saved me and although, and although a part of me wants to stay because he knows how difficult the circumstances are there. Another, another part of me want to be obedient. And I don't know what awaits me there if the rejection of the authorities in the midst of the present communism, whatever awaits me, I pray to God to support me through his son, Jesus Christ. The last thing, if you have a humble, a humble origin, if you have a, a humble origin, never be ashamed of it. If you are the son of a carpenter, a builder, a gardener, a cook, a Chinese, or a Hispanic, never be ashamed of it. Because even when the resurrected Lord Jesus appeared to Paul, he could have said, 
I am Jesus, the son of the most high God. Or he could say to Paul, I'm Jesus, and I come from the certain heaven and the street of gold. But he's, he keeps saying, the resurrected Lord said to Paul, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecuted. Gracias por tu palabra, Señor. Nosotros oramos que tu palabra corra entre nosotros y que tu gran nombre sea honrado. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén.